comprehend infinite with our finite limited mind. I know. Like, you can't. Like, what's infinity? There's no such... You can't... Our minds can only... We can only... We have to put parameters on stuff. You know? Like, where's the beginning? Where's the end? And, you know, you can't do that with... Well, we're, we were kind of talking about that with jujitsu belts earlier, honestly. Like, yeah. how sort of Western culture works around the idea of how they look at the white through bite belt thing. Mm -hmm. And I, it's interesting because as I've got my bite belt, I'm like, mm -hmm. anyway. Yeah. Well, here we are, man. Jason Ryan is in the studio yeah. for an episode of jujitsu unraveled. Uh, you've made it on before Josh Bishop. I just want to go ahead and point that out. I feel like we should, we should point that out. Well, I think that's because you like to do things in order of rank. And even though he's a black belt in jujitsu, I think, He's a probably maybe a purple belt in life, so I kind of outrank him there. Um, but yeah. yeah, yeah, I appreciate you having me. I'm excited, yeah, yeah dude. So, uh, we talked about some different formats. You were recently went to ADCC. Mm -hmm. I want to spend some time talking about yeah. that, but first, just uh, some real basic sort of question like, you got into training jiu jitsu mm -hmm. previously out of state, you moved here. Yeah. That's how we have met you. Mm -hmm. Your legend precedes itself. <laughs> Uh, but how did you get into jiu-jitsu, man? Like where, when, why? Yeah, so the, this is kind of a, I think a lot of us luck into jiu-jitsu. I don't think any of it was planned to do this. So I started wrestling at a young age, like uh, maybe six, seven, and <clears throat> never really, and this is in Oklahoma, that's where I'm from. Which um, is notable. I, I yeah. just connected the dots. Like I was yeah. like, yeah, I wondered if you wrestled in yeah. when you were a child. Yeah, so I always tell people that when you're born in Oklahoma, we are born knowing how to wrestle, and we are born loving to drink Mountain Dew. So we wrestle and drink Mountain Dew. That's what we do, right? Spider so, monkeys. Yeah. Um, so I started wrestling at a young age, and I didn't really get – I was never really great at it. Like, I wasn't, like, a state champion. But for whatever reason, um, I really enjoyed working hard. Like, I've always enjoyed um, hard work, you know? And um, so – I wrestled and then I stopped a little bit and then when I got to high school level I started taking it really seriously and a guy named Mikey Burnett would um, he was fighting I don't even know if they called it mixed martial arts then it was like Valley Tudo um, he came into our wrestling room he was a fr he was friends with my wrestling coach um, and back then if you were gonna fight in mixed martial arts you would there was no mixed martial arts gym so what you do is you'd find a wrestling room and you get your wrestling in you go to a boxing gym and get your boxing in you go to a kickboxing gym and get your kickboxing in so mikey would come to my high school and he would wrestle with us and condition with us and i got to know him and my junior year in high school 1998 he um was getting ready for his first ufc fight um this is like ufc like 10 or 11 it was a long time ago right so he was wrestling hard and um he basically came in and um said hey guys i know that you know you guys don't work out a lot in the summer like you should so i have a gym he had a gym in tulsa a few miles from the school he said you guys have free membership i want you to come lift weights stay in shape i want you to you know he's really he wasn't there necessarily for himself as much as he was to like help us out too his second fight in the UFC was, I think, my senior year, and it was against uh, Pat Militich for the title that he lost the decision to. Um, Did this guy get shot recently? Yes. That's, that's the same that's Mikey. guy. Yeah. Did you know Andy Throwkeld? Mm -hmm. He grew up training with him. Andy was supposed to get his bite belt at the last yeah. bite belt conference, I believe, but okay. um, 
he owns a school in Mina. Okay. He's like a three or four tip brown belt. Yeah. But yeah, Andy, I, I just only know about this because when that guy got shot, mm-hmm. he was Andy was posting yeah. about it because Andy used to go from Mina mm-hmm. over to Oklahoma to train yeah. with him. That's a small world. Um, yeah, Mikey is an Oklahoma MMA legend. Um, yeah. If you know someone that knows Mikey, they've been in the game a long time. So Mikey was training there. So that was 1999. I was a senior in high school and it was really random. I went in there one day. This is kind of a funny story. Mikey was playing the UFC game just come out. And this was like, so obviously this is the nineties. This is the old UFC game. He was actually like, I think he was, I don't remember if this is, I don't remember if that's when PlayStation one had an MMA game. Think, did they yeah, not? That may have been a confused layer. But anyway, I was, Mikey was working the front desk and I come in to lift weights and he had added on this room and he was with the lion's den. It's like, he was part of the original lion's den. And he was, uh, there were some guys in there like roll around on the ground, but you know, and I was, I was a wrestler and I recognized, I was like, what they're doing is not wrestling. I didn't really understand what they were doing yet. And he was like, I'm, he's like, I'm, this is a submission grappling class. I was like, well, what's that? He's like, well, it's like wrestling, but we apply, you know, submission holds. And so he got me to try a couple classes. Um, it wasn't like it is today. Like jujitsu, it wasn't like, Oh, you're going to ease into the submission and get the tap. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was really rough. People got hurt a lot. Um, and I did that for a little bit, and then I got, I kind of almost just abandoned grappling. I got into firearms really, like, just Dude, I just t- I took time to read that meme, actually, yeah. while I was driving in my car. Yeah. That was a hilarious. Yeah. I'm going to do a podcast. I got yeah. a new gun. Yeah. It was, it, yeah, I haven't, I haven't commented on that one yet. It's really good. You I are a firearms kind of, I yeah. mean, I see you posting about yeah. it all the time. It's definitely yeah. part of it's, yeah, it's, what um, you do. Yeah, we could talk about firearm. We could go on a totally nif- different podcast about that. And, we and can. Talk about uh, another, for, yeah. yeah for have sure. you back on. So I got out of grappling. I always enjoyed, I enjoyed wrestling because I enjoyed the hard work and I enjoyed being able to defend myself. And I always thought to myself that if I ever gotten, you know, and I did get in a few fights, but I was like, man, I'll always be able to protect myself, right? Well, I got away from grappling, got into guns, moved to a, from Tulsa to a town in Muskogee. And I, during this, this gap, this eight or 10 year gap, um, I didn't really do any grappling, but I did a lot of firearms training. Um, I mean, you know, almost every weekend. Did you get hooked up with a good range, good group Mm -hmm. of guys? Yep. Um, a guy named Marshall Luton out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. He, he's a Tulsa police officer and he is the head instructor for the Tulsa defensive shooting Academy. And he is, in my opinion, the best firearms instructor in the world. And I got to train with him a lot. Um, and so this is how this is linking into how I started jiu-jitsu. I had always watched the UFC because of Mikey and I just really enjoyed it. And one day, and I, of course, when I watched UFC, if it was a striker and a grappler, I wanted the grappler to win. I always loved jiu-jitsu and I always wanted to do it, but there was just there wasn't a good school at the time. And I was I went to the store to get something to drink. I was driving back and I saw this sign like two blocks from my house that said Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And I was like, not, this town's like 35,000 people, right? And this was in 2011 is when I started actually training Jiu-Jitsu. So I turned around, I got the number, I called the guy and his name is John Church and he is a black belt now under Pete Wilhelm. So he was an affiliate school of Pete's. I called him. He said, yeah, come in. And he had opened his school the month before. So he was a brown belt at the time. His school just opened. He had like two students. And I told him, you know, his other two students had zero experience. I was like, well, I used to wrestle. He's like, oh, I'd love to have you come in. He, I, I, 
only wanted to tr- I only wanted to watch, which is I'm sure you hear that a lot. I just oh, want to yeah. watch. Yeah, yeah. He wouldn't let me watch. He's like, you have to. You're going to put on a gi. I want you to train. And so my thought process was, this guy's a little bit bigger than me, and he's a brown belt in jiu-jitsu. So he's probably going to submit me, but with my wrestling, he's going to have a problem. So, you know, I'm going to give him issues. Well, obviously, he just destroyed me. He submitted me, you know, at will, did whatever he wanted. Um, and I left there, and I went, I have got to learn this. I've been, More. yeah, I have been walking around thinking that I can use my wrestling to defend myself and there's guys like this guys like you brian walking around that could just murder me imagine the first person i came to that realization on being caleb plank yeah because it was yeah like i remember me and then like my high school tailback who was like a specimen yeah nick lines he was the best man in my wedding and caleb was also my wedding <clears throat> but like we like one day we'd just been trying there a little bit and we we're like dude if we saw him walking down the street yeah. we would like think we could just stomp yeah. a, a mud hole in that yeah. dude's life and yeah. in fact the reality is at that time like caleb was fighting and like mm-hmm. four and oh in amateur mma and yeah. had just gotten his boy all this stuff and it was just like he was he was training and and could put us down and but he was like a hundred and he was fighting at 125 yeah yep you know, and it, that was the the most humbling thing is because he's just like, man, you know, he's like, he's gained a little bit. I don't know that dude's ever weighed over 142, though. Like, so he's always kind of been hovering from there. Yeah. And it's just like, man, that's humbling. That's yeah. that. That was the first like I remember going through that revelation of like, oh, man. Yeah, I I, I left that gym. I'll, I'll to be completely honest. I uh I had went and ate like a bunch of Taco Bell before I went to that class because oh, I, I didn't intend on training. I was like, I'm gonna. I went and ate some Taco Bell, and I went there and I was gonna sit on the bench and watch and see if this was legit. And I went home, like after he just beat the crap out of me. I went home and threw up for like 30 minutes, and I, I, I my mind just went, I can't let someone exist that has that much of a gap on me i can't i have to close that gap right so i that was the beginning of my how did you how did you reconcile because i could see like people going into jiu-jitsu having a firearms Mm -hmm. background could yeah were you just like i I need jiu-jitsu for when i don't have my gun or like or or you just wanted it too like so more rounded no um i always i I wouldn't say I wanted jujitsu for when I don't have my gun because I always have a firearm on me. Um, I wanted jujitsu for when I wouldn't be allowed to use a firearm, when it wouldn't be appropriate. If I'm in a situation where <clears throat> I need to defend myself, which I'll tell you a story here in a little bit, that uh, happened when I was in California two years ago, um, that I used jujitsu and a firearm would have put me in prison. But jujitsu saved someone else's, potentially saved their life. So, um, I wanted jujitsu because I don't want to be, I, I didn't want to be um, one-sided in self-defense. I wanted to be able to use my hands. I want to be able to use a firearm. I've taken some edged weapon stuff. I want to be able to use mm-hmm. knives. I want to be well-rounded. And I don't want to waste my time on stuff that, you know, I don't want to, I'm not saying Okito's a waste of time, but I saw that jujitsu works, right? So I was like, okay, I've got wrestling. I want to continue to work, build on that. I need to learn jujitsu, right? And I've got firearms, but I need to continue to work on that. So I felt like it was like a, a, if you're talking about like a complete circle of being able to protect yourself and your family, like I had this big gap and it was jujitsu. Like 
I could take someone down, but I didn't know what to do after that besides punch them, you know? So that's when I started, you know, when, when John Church beat my ass, that's when I was like, okay. He's still, I, he's still in business. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He's a black, but he's actually, a, I think he just got his first degree now. Um, nice. And Still under Pete? Yep, still under Pete. Um, actually, I got to train with him uh, a few months ago, and absolutely, he is... He's a monster. Absolute you, you, monster. We've talked about him in the past, just mm-hmm. I think on online. Um, he had kind of a unique approach to training, mm-hmm. like uh, that you don't maybe see everywhere. Like what you were kind of breaking down, like how he approaches like implementing themes or submissions mm-hmm. into his training. Like what, yep. what what do they do? That's so one thing he does is he does not discourage his students from. First of all, he doesn't discourage any submissions. Um, he will never go that's stupid that's not going to work he's going to go okay if you can make it work then it then it's legit he said it may not be for me but whatever you know if it's not for me that doesn't mean it's not for you so he would never discourage any submissions he hooks in the gi neck cranks he basically said if you can make it work then i love it and if you're not hurting anybody i love it and then he also not only did he not discourage cross training he highly encouraged cross training he said if you go out of town train if we're closed go train somewhere else he said i don't care where you train he said go learn from other people you know basically his his thought process was if if i only learn from him i'm only going to reach his level you know he's trying to train people to beat him basically um which i never have you know i've really (laughs) i've tried but he's he's tough but um i just liked he was just real open-minded a real humble um he, he 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 was like my way isn't the only way it's just my way if you find a better way use it you know so he's the reason that i got into leg locks because as you know there's a lot of gyms that are like you can't do that to your purple belt you can't do that to your brown belt he said i don't care when you do it he's you know like i said this at our uh rank review event the other night it's like look i don't want you guys to be I want you to be brown belt level at that move when you can do that move. Yeah. And and two, that's kind of dogmatic too, because that's just looking at it from just the position of the sport yeah, and not the the practitioner as a whole, like what the you're art. saying, like, yes, the yeah. art. And then just in a broader sense, self-defense of yeah. like, yeah. Hey, okay. You carry or like mm-hmm. just however you're structuring, how you're going to defend yourself yeah. at a moment's notice without any yeah. prior planning other than what you're doing day to day. So, um, but that's a, yeah, a lot of gyms are sort of dogmatic in their approach to submissions. And that's always kind of like, once I got onto that, I'm like, that's kind of baffling because we're submission arts. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on that? Like, why do you think people are, I mean, because IBJJF will never let you do a heel hook. No, never. So should we not do heel hooks? It's the question. And like, I definitely do heel hooks. Like you submitted me with Mm -hmm. three heel hooks today. All three, all three submissions. Yeah, like that's the the ultimate equalizer. Yeah, like, for sure. It's why I got into it. When I started training, it was John Church, which is a hundred and eighty pound brown belt. It was a guy named Jeremy, which is a real good friend of mine still. Um, and he was like two hundred and forty pound, but he's he was new. I was new too, though. And then it was a police officer that was like a one stripe white belt, right? So everyone was bigger than me, and I quickly learned that if I can get good at leg attacks, that it does equalize a lot. Um, it really, uh, I, I gravitated towards them because it did, I, I started getting my first submissions on upper belts with leg locks. So I was like, oh man, this 
this kind of levels things down here. I'm going to go to an area that they're not... If I'm rolling with a purple belt and he is a not good in leg locks, well, if once I get to his legs, now we're on the same level. We're on the same playing field. If I'm doing upper body attacks, he's 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 on a different level than me. So I'm going to put it... I'm going to get in an area where I can level things out, right? So, and that was the other thing. It was funny because... John never discouraged leg locks, but he made sure if I went after a leg, he would A, defend it, and B, he would either smash and pass me, my guard, mm -hmm. or he would counter leg lock me, and he would not stop doing that. And I was stubborn, and I wouldn't give up, and that's where my leg locks came from. Like, I spent four or five years never getting a leg lock, ever. And um, I just wouldn't give up until I got better at them, you know? Um, <clears throat> what, would you, what would you say... Other than just time, mm -hmm. and I mean, I've I've even got the John Donahue mm -hmm. system. I need to go back and like be a better student. Like I watched it when it first came out, mm -hmm. and a bunch of my guys watch it, and we like. But it, since it's first come out, I haven't revisited. Yep. I need to go back and look at all that stuff. Cause it's such a great resource. We we're talking about Braden learning on YouTube, but mm -hmm. where did you? Because I mean, you, you got good attacks. You got good counters. There's one time today that I initiated the two times today I initiated mm -hmm. the exchange, and you got the finish. Yeah, you know, so, which is a great like why that's a great testament to what yeah. we're talking about. But like, what got you uh, to where you are now? Um, I would say huh, not give realizing that for whatever reason, like when you talk about upper, upper body attacks, there's like a whole system to a, a pinning and, and attacking the upper body. And there's a whole system to, you know, attacking the lower body. And I realized that it's just as, if not more complicated to attack the lower body. And what people were doing was um, really like elementary level leg attacks. And I realized that I was like, I have to, um, if I can get good at this, I can tap some guys that are much better at jiu-jitsu than me. And I, and, I, and I have, I got lucky, but I would say not giving up. Um, <clears throat> there's there's really just two paths on either you try something and you realize I knew I'm gonna try this for a little bit and then when you realize you suck at it you give up and then the other path is I'm not gonna give up till I get good at it and it's really honestly I've been attacking legs for like seven years now like just relentlessly um I mean there's sessions in the gym where I just go I'm not gonna do anything but attack legs you know and it's, so it's just repetition um, and it's getting training it's getting training from the best people that I can afford to get training from. I got to train with Dean Lister. I uh, went to a seminar in Tulsa that Pete Wilhelm kind of helped mm -hmm. organize. And it wasn't, I don't know what happened, but it wasn't well advertised. So like I said, like 12, 14 people showed up. So I basically got two hours with Dean and that's what really kind of changed my game. And then when the Dana Hair Death Squad came out, it was like, that changed everything for everybody what do you what do you think about uh there's obvious connections between dean and the dds mm -hmm. yeah what do you think about 10th planet's uh, approach to leg locks no gi system in general mm -hmm. like where where do they rank in the spectrum of your opinion uh in their leg attacks i mean i i think they're on the on the come up and are, mm -hmm. are closing the gap a little yep. bit but that's been that's a big point of discussion yep. in the community right yeah, and I have a, quite a few friends that are Tenth Planet guys, and um, the I will say that if they're if they listen to this, all of them would tap me with leg locks, so I don't want them to get offended. But obviously, what John is doing is better than what everyone else is doing. 
Which is remarkable. Yeah. Because, uh, I mean, honestly, like we were talking about this the other day. We're like, because he's got his half guard mm-hmm. system that's coming out. Yeah. And I've just seen the highlights, but it's like, yeah. there were no moves that he showed that I'm like, oh, I don't do that. Yeah. In the little highlight or whatever. I'm mm-hmm. sure there's some crown jewels in yeah. the series, but it's like, oh, I do that sweep. I do that sweep. Oh, that's a, you know, Lucas Lecce does that sweep or, yeah. or whatever. You know, it's like, oh, those are common, but it's like, Donaher makes it unique, I think, and it's philosophical. And mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, if you look at Donaher's background and philosophy, I think that I see, I'm like, oh, the dude's just using logic. Yeah. He's using pure, raw logic yeah. to the and, just. Well, and the other thing is, and I learned this when I, when I, when I started teaching a little bit, it was around when I first got my purple belt, late blue belt, purple belt. And I, I kind of was hesitant on teaching because. I was like, man, I'm a, I'm still a blue belt. I don't know anything. Who wants to learn from me? And my coach, you know, John, he kind of pushed me. He's like, no, you know, you can teach these some of these smaller classes. It's fine. You're teaching fundamental stuff. It's gonna be okay. And I realized quickly that there is a big difference between knowing something and knowing how to teach something. Mm-hmm. And I think what John does really well is he understands how to get the information out of his head and. Um, teach that technique in a way that people can understand. Um, because in any given move, let's say an armbar, there, you may teach it and there's three steps to it. And the next guy teaches it and there's six steps. And the next guy teaches it and there's 12. So it's imp- I think John's good at figuring out what steps you need that need to be taught and what don't to, to cut away the, the fat. You know, I feel that way with uh, like, for example, like uh, Pedro Sauer, Hickson, mm-hmm. some of yeah. those guys, because uh, yeah, armbar, for example, like, you know, the classic, like, I pull you down, mm-hmm. I move your arm over, yeah. I grab you, I switch yeah. my hips, like, in practicality, like, that'll teach you how to do an armbar, but like, Hickson's like, yeah, do all that, and I'm just going to pass, pass, yeah. pass, pass, every time, he's like, but if you just throw it up in one move, whoom, there you go, got the armbar. So it, it, that is interesting, and it's. It, I guess. I guess that's all. That, just teaching methods. It is. I mean, I, I think it would be like uh, for you. You teach at a college. Um, I bet if you went to a middle school, you wouldn't probably teach very well. And I bet if a middle school mm-hmm. teacher came to a college level right away, probably wouldn't teach very well. Um, it's you know different. Um, different levels need to be taught differently. You know, but. Um, going, but w- one thing I want to touch on before we, we were talking about like IBJJF and stuff, and and should we not do heel hooks? My philosophy with jujitsu is, you should be training for what you're training for. Meaning, if if me, Jason Ryan, if I was going to do IBJJF in a month, mm-hmm. I would stop doing heel hooks. Well, it's like Braden. He's in. Yeah. That, he talked about that was on the podcast. Yeah. He's he's doing Nogi Worlds. Yeah, and so, his training regimen's different because yeah. of that. He should be training for that rule set, and that's another thing that John does. When I was at ADCC, I know they had a long rules meeting before the public was allowed to come in, and when we came in, he was still talking to one of the refs, and he talked to the ref. Why? There was 200 people in the room, like getting pictures. He was talking to a ref for another probably hour. And it's all over rules. He wants to know every single rule and how it works. Man, I got into We did a podcast the other day, a jiu-jitsu podcast, about mess-ups at the mm-hmm. AGF, essentially. Yeah. Because, man, the refs just don't. They are mm-hmm. either overworked and they get mind melt mm-hmm. by the end of the day and they can't spot what's going on. Yep. Or, I mean, it's just like ref- officiating. It's the most imperfect thing about the sure. sport. Sure, sure. 
it's, it's so and that's any sport you know any they're, they're talking about baseball bringing in you know cameras and computers that will take the umpire's place and i think at some level we have to have human error you know i mean we can't it's not gonna be perfect but um i tell people you know if i do something in the gym like i'll heel hook people in the gi i, I don't care and they'll say oh can you do that and i'll look well yeah i'm not in a tournament we're in the gym yeah you know i don't care what you do to me um in the gym and this is where we should fail you know we need yeah. to, we need to fail as much as we can well, and it's where you can it's where you can be creative and just have fun man yeah. like i will tap to pretty much anybody mm-hmm. and too like when i roll like i'm in a phase like the last probably i mean i still submit people all the time but i'm just more like trying to see what happens more than anything yeah. else yeah like oh dude what are you doing you know like yeah. letting allowing more situations to happen versus like i just don't i don't really get excited by submissions anymore i do yeah. like training them see yeah. new ones yeah but i've submitted so many people now i'm yeah. just like eh. so uh you know i kind of went through that too uh, so what i'm doing now is i'm putting systems in place where I'm going through, and I got this from John's and Gordon Ryan's DVDs, that nothing they do is like, it's not, I'm not doing one thing. I'm doing one thing that's linked to the next, and it's like, it's a path that they're taking. And if that path gets disrupted, a lot of people have to completely reset. Well, they just, they go down a different path, and I'm trying. So now, instead of like, say I I get a Kimura, and used to, that was exciting because I got the tap. Now, I may push on the shoulder, get them to plant their hand. I do a rolling Kimura lock, you know, to like a T Kimura position. Then I sit up and I, and, and I've set that up from standing like, and, and mm-hmm. that excites me now. Cause like, wow, that, that whole sequence worked. I like that. I, do, I don't know if you saw, I put a video up of just doing like a butterfly style yep. sweep with the Kimura yep. grip mm-hmm. that, I mean, it's great. It's a judo throw too. They don't. They do show up with that grip in judo, but it's illegal. It's, it's a weird rule in judo. It's illegal to throw somebody while you have them in a submission hold. Yeah. Okay. So like yeah. some, but but if you take away the sport judo lens, mm-hmm. you find a lot of cool like that's yeah. why you don't see the wrist like a lot of the wrist throws and stuff yeah. in Olympic judo. Yeah. Because you can't put somebody's joint in a compromised position and yeah. then make them have to roll or fall yeah. to th- throw out of it yeah. basically. So Jeremy uh, Bouchong that yeah. teaches yeah. judo, um, I talked to him about that because I don't know anything about judo and I noticed he was out there one day, and one of his students just went for a single leg and switched to a double and took and I was like. Is it freestyle do that in judo he's like yeah we he teaches like freestyle judo like mm-hmm. you know so john has competed yeah. in freestyle judo john brashear yeah. brown, four tip yeah. brown belt yeah. a lot yeah so you know um i jeremy's one of my favorite training partners he's much bigger than me but he's he, good, dude. he he likes to use just straight technique with me which helps both of us but um yeah i watch him toss people around every week um it's, oh, he's done so much uh he goes to this camp in new york mm-hmm periodically it's been several times where it's it's like the olympic one of the olympic uh events where like everybody comes to yeah. it and uh he has great judo man yeah. he really does and i get the way when he started doing jiu-jitsu he had good jiu-jitsu like immediately because yeah. i think just because of his judo, judo background yeah, for sure and if you're man judo is so similar like i don't even like I look at the philosophy of jiu-jitsu and then i scratch my head on some of the things we're talking about and then i'm like Oh, it's all, it's everything. Mm-hmm. The, the philosophy of the art is I have researched it and written my master's thesis about it and everything else is that it's like that jujitsu is a one art that's like 
allows you to seemingly cherry pick from catch wrestling, mm-hmm. from judo, from freestyle, from even Aikido, dude. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, I just connected. This guy's been coming to the gym, uh, Roland Chang, sixth Dan in judo, third Dan in Aikido. And an orthopedic surgeon. He's yeah. a genius. Like he can break people and fix them. So yes. That's good. And he's shown me all sorts of stuff. Yeah. He does wing chain. He does yeah. everything. He comes to my jujitsu class. Sure. He's a white belt. Yeah. But he's shown me a, a whole bunch of Aikido mm-hmm. throws, not necessarily the wrist technique mm-hmm. throws. Like I, I was uh, under a lot of false assumptions about Aikido. But there's these two throws that he showed me, and I'm like, dude, that's a soda mm-hmm. gory. Yeah. Like, I'm like, that's like you call it a Remy Nagi, you call it Tension Nagi, but it's like, it's a soda gory, which is like the. Uh, I believe it's a fifth throw in judo. It's mm-hmm. the outside leg reap where you just yeah. kick your kick your leg backward, your chest to chest, with a boom. Mm-hmm. You see it in Greco a little bit. Yeah, inside but trip. I think it, it, this would be this would be outside trip. Outside so like trip. Uh, same thing, same mm-hmm. thing. Uh, but instead of like rapping, uh, it would be like uh, you, uh, you ever seen Zabit Magomed Shapirov? Mm-hmm. He landed an Osoto in an MMA fight. You know how Brian Hall set up the inside leg kick yeah. and then Eminari'd? Yeah. He set up the inside leg kick and then, like, shuffle step past him and threw him from the outside, just leg on leg to the outside. Mm-hmm. Just but that is uh, that is such a fundamental throw. Like, I remember going to a jiu-jitsu seminar, Nogi, and the guy taught all takedowns. This is Brazilian guy during head in Paulo. And um, he showed that. Yeah. So it's like literally it's a brand new, not even a white light deal. All we did was Nogi at that school. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I, every, uh, first thing I'll say is, uh, to people that want to train is any training is better than no training and a keto black belt versus a non-trained person is going to have an advantage, right? I, even though I think wrestling and jujitsu are king, I oh, think, I do, I do too. I, I do too. I, I think you have to realize that, uh, the, there's no perfect system and catch wrestling wrestling jiu-jitsu akita they all have something you can take from them precisely if you want to be the best grappler the best uh martial artist you can be you have to be able to look at any art and say man there's something in here that i need to complete my game you know so i did something weird from akita the other day that is just one of the like wrist techniques yeah. or whatever somebody grabbed me with a cross yeah. uh, and we were we were on the ground but they put their hand on, I went on the outside and pushed their elbow. Yeah. And it was like, it kind of set up me getting into an omoplata. But yeah. I was like, I wouldn't have done that arm control if I hadn't have been doing those releases and stuff from Sam. I mean, I've seen Keenan show yeah. like he's got a popular video on like wrist techniques. Yeah. And, uh, Tony Ferguson's doing, he's done Wing Chun. Yeah. Did you see whatever. my Wing Chun done? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. this Roland guy, the guy that's showing me all this stuff, yeah. he's shown me a 13 section over 100 move form on the Wing Chun dummy. So like, wow. and he's like, this is this judo throw. He's yeah. like, this is his agreement. It's yeah. the number three, like, and just breaks it all down. And I'm just, this guy just like walked in off the street mm-hmm. and is honestly, in, in all actuality, like one of the highest level martial artists I've ever oh, yeah. been around. And it's a no bullshit thing because he stood up with me 72, like in small, mm-hmm. but like, I couldn't throw the dude. Yeah. Like we, we have rolled and stuff a little bit. And one of the times we're going skirmishing around, it's like when he first came in, I couldn't throw him, couldn't throw him. So it's like, I'm going to pull guard on him. Yeah. I'm going to pull guard and see what he does. And I was just playing around with him, kind of let him pass. But then he pinned me. Yeah. And he's like a six stand in judo. So he just held me there. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, uh, uh, Yeah. I've messed up here. Yeah. And then the bell, the bell rang or whatever. And I mean, he's rolled a few times, but his name was, as they call it in, in, uh, Japanese martial arts is good. But like, 
that's kind of i feel like he's coming to us with, for jujitsu and he's a student and he likes it because mm-hmm. it's like everything else he's done and he's like he he kind of gets the knee slide pass now and he's like hey brian this right yeah. here i like this like oh. he was like highlighting that he liked yeah. he's like this keeps coming up this yeah. the knee slide and the windshield wiper the other knee over he's like that keeps coming yeah, up because they're good at um head and arm or case of katami so that knee slide goes sleeve grip case of katami and then you're mm-hmm. pinned you're not going to get up well and he like so we were using that to set up that arm ride stuff mm-hmm. i was showing you yeah and he really liked that yeah. because uh i mean just it, it's been i think a few years since he did a lot of judo mm-hmm. nawaza but um that's that kimura and everything mm-hmm. we were doing today and judo is called udi garami yeah that's what i like about donaher too is like he's he's reintroduced a lot of the judo terms into the consciousness of mm-hmm. jiu-jitsu yeah, I trained. I, I honestly, I'm. Uh, I went from saying choke to strangle as much as I possibly can. Uh, yeah, I, I've, yeah. I've changed. You know, and and he talks about the reason he he uses those terms. He's like, I don't care what terms we use. He said, but the problem is things like four eleven or whatever that he calls, you know, Ashgrami or double trouble. He's like, they already had names. They had Japanese names, and we gave them American names. He said, mm-hmm. I'm just going back and using the names that they were originally given. And he said, I also want to be able to yell at any student from across the room and use one term and everybody knows what I'm talking about. Yes. So I don't want multiple, you know, uses of the term. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I like Japanese I like. names too. Um, I think they sound cool and I really like saying strangle cause it sounds a lot meaner. It does. Yeah. But so yeah, going back, um, so I, I started training, I guess, full-time in 2011. So this is like eighth or almost ninth year of jiu-jitsu and about 10 years of wrestling off and on. Um, and now, you know, under Caleb and Mike Page. On board um, for your brown belt. Uh, yeah, coming up probably pretty soon. Um, it'll be the worst thing Caleb's ever had to do if he has to tie a brown belt around me. He's going to hate <laughs> it. But um i'm gonna force him to do it because i keep you know i just i i still love it um i i have this personality that i think a lot of people like this you get as good at something as you're ever going to get and then it gets kind of boring and with Mm -hmm. jujitsu since everybody rolls differently all the body types are different it's like you're never going to get bored really because you're never going to be the best guy in the world hey you you were kind of talking about that earlier i was like you're just in you're in a you go through these uh, different phases of creativity where yeah yeah, i'm landing all uh, you know like you're in the kimura Mm -hmm. what people call the kimura trap or whatever you want to call it you know i i was i remember when that kind of became the the thing everybody used to turn and i like the yeah Kimura trap system whatever yeah. whatever you want to call it to sell dvds or whatever yeah. but it is i mean it's so comprehensive it needs to be its own thing so you, people can see but i mean how many things are there like that in jiu-jitsu mm-hmm. yeah like that we're talking about the the leg attack system mm-hmm. the entanglements or the Kimura trap or uh standing submission throws mm-hmm. uh all the illegal stuff yeah the fun stuff. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Do you do like a lot of leg scissors or anything like that? Um, I don't do, so here, I don't do them in live sparring um, because if, even if I do them correctly, if, if the guy I'm going against moves incorrectly, it could be catastrophic. So if I own my own school, which one day, maybe, who knows, the only two things I would ban, and I actually got this from Dan Hare, the only things he doesn't allow in his gym. Guard jump. Is guard jumping and scissor leg takedown now he'll allow them to drill that stuff but in live rolling which gary which is funny because gary tonin is amazing 
at the scissor leg takedown, but they're not allowed to do execute I just that. Don't, I don't jump in as mm-hmm. much. I and I don't hit um, like I, I almost exclusively hit it where I make them fall backwards. Yeah. So here's here's the big difference that makes it way more safer. Um, is my hand on the mat. Yeah, that too. Big I time. the way I set it up is I allow them usually to get a single leg. I don't like to hit it off them getting a single. Oh, I like yeah, to like yeah. bait them with a single. Yeah, yeah. And then I kind of turn the corner and I put my hand on the mat and I think it's a lot. You know who that used way. to have a sick leg scissor throw on YouTube with like ten thousand views on uh-huh. it? Freaking Caleb. Really? The dude used to have some sick videos yeah. on YouTube with like tons of They're views. They're probably still out there. They're not. They're not? I've, I've messaged him a couple of times because like I've watched him many times yeah. over the years. Like he did this thing called the frame out clinch. Yeah. And I, we use it for Muay Thai. We use it for mm-hmm. MMA. It's basically like a, well, I hooked you up in it when we were, when you were like, um, kind of underneath front head, like working singles and doubles mm-hmm. and stuff. Like you go and overhook and grab their head and. Mm-hmm like that it's like yeah. a quarter three like a, quarter yeah, nelson quarter nelson yeah power half yeah yes yeah. so but like he um he had a series where he would show that and hit these like he had hit this leg scissor and they'd fall down and then he would ride up to neem out on the other side mm-hmm. and it was just really co- it was a really cool thing and i'm like dude like how do you not like how do i have 600 videos on the internet and you don't even have freaking youtube channel? yeah like and you had these sick ass videos mm-hmm. and now they're gone yeah like where are they yeah like i i just don't get it like that has been a, a contentious point for me over the last couple of years it's like I, I need to be able to look at you dudes on the internet because yeah. like man like with where i'm at I'm just like, we were talking about this earlier, like I'm, I'm pretty much sort of done chasing information down because that's all I did for more than yeah. 12 years. Yeah. Like all over the place, competed all over the place, chased, chased down cable drink all over the place, went to every team event. And now I'm just like, I think we could bring it in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, the one thing I do and I tell everybody that is like, you know, hadn't been trained as long as me, when you travel, I do two things. I always find a school and I train while I'm on vacation, even if it's one day. And I find the one dude, there's always that one dude in the room that gives you all kinds of problems and just like manhandles you. I find him at the end of class and I say, teach me one thing. Show me one thing that you're doing right now effectively that you just love. And I always do that. Oh, that's why it's so good. Yeah. I mean, like, quietly, like, you coming down today. Mm Mm-hmm. Everything, any ranks or dogmatism or any of this stuff mm-hmm. we're talking about aside, it's like I learned probably like four things from you. Mm-hmm. We rolled, got some training in, yep. and it's like that is what I'm trying to facilitate yeah. for for me. It's like just when Josh Bishop comes down, same thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, dude, show me some stuff. Let's yep. make some videos. Let's go talk yep. about jujitsu. Um, well, and that's like, if I just do that, let's say twenty times in the next uh, eighteen months, with, yeah. with people like yourself, let's say you come back two times, whatever. It's there's no way that you don't learn and get better no. from that. And, and the, the thing you got to remember is people feel like, man, if I get shown four things, I need to learn four new things. You might got you might get shown twenty moves and only really absorb one or two in your game, but it will change your game entirely. Context over time. Yeah, it's it's, it's not everything is for everybody, you know. Um. And you're also going to learn stuff. I've learned stuff at Blue Belt in a day or two, never used it again for two or three years, and all of a sudden go, that's the answer. I have the answer. That's the answer for what's been going on, and then I start using it, you know? So um, I think that 
people really talk about the thing that drives me nuts a lot in jiu-jitsu is this no ego when people everyone has an ego and you got to have an ego if if getting tapped out didn't bother you at any uh, any way at all you would never have a desire to get better now i'm not saying it it should make you angry but if you get tapped you should go okay i want to know how i got tapped i want to know how you know what happened and i need to figure i need to fix that oh yeah and then when I fix that, I get tapped another way. I need to fix that. You know what I mean? But people, people talk about no ego, and they have massive egos. That what well, have you cued in? Like I, I or the first time somebody posed a question, they're like, usually when somebody starts off a sentence with, "I'm this, I'm this humble, I'm the most mm-hmm. humble," or, yeah. or something like yeah. that, something about their humility. Yeah, it's like typically they're the least humble person yeah. out there. Yeah. Uh, Gary Tonin posted, uh, there was a meme made of him, a, a quote he said, and you got to keep in mind, in any room that he's in, he's probably the best guy in that room, right? And his his quote when it was something like the fact that I get tapped like 15 times per practice, so, are, so you need to ask yourself, are you really humble? Meaning, basically, he's, he's putting himself in positions to get tapped 10 to 15 times practice. Um, when in fact there's probably no one in that room other than maybe gordon that can tap him so that's having no ego that's saying i'm going to get tapped by blue belts purple belts brown belts i don't care i'm going to put myself in dangerous situations and i'm going to figure out how to get out of them or i'm going to tap and i'm going to do it again do you do uh, how would you rank like uh do most people you roll with like i could encapsulate yours and iris rolls today Mm -hmm. like you coming off the road Mm -hmm. it's it's the weekend we get together i didn't feel like there were any times where we were like like none of that i felt like it was just a great mutual back and forth and um so a little background for people that don't is people that don't know me probably won't even listen to this people that do know me there is a reason that i'm kind of an internet troll and that i like to poke people and prod people and that is because I'm going to get two responses out of those people. Um, if I talk a bunch of shit and I and I um, get you, you riled, yeah, <laughs> and I get you riled up, I'm going to get one of two versions of you. Either you're going to completely fall apart and crumble because you don't want to lose to me and you can't handle the pressure, and that's fine. I, I mean, then I'm going to submit you and, and I'm going to dominate you. Or the better option, the option I want, I'm going to bring out the best in you and you don't want to lose to me and you're going to give me everything you got because I am a smaller guy and I How feel like... How much you weigh? I've thought, thought about uh, this a couple I'm times. I'm 154 pounds right okay, now. Okay, yeah. 5'5". Five, yeah. five. I, uh, I was thinking 150 but yeah. I didn't want to lowball you. I no. was going to give you like 165. No. Um, and I feel like at my size if I was a quiet, humble guy people would probably take it easy on me. You know, um, because of that. So I... I want people to try and murder me. I want the. I either want the best version of them, and I want them to try to kill me, or they're going to fall apart under the pressure, and maybe they can learn from that. Maybe they go, okay, I got to do something to fix that, because this guy's got in my head that I don't want to lose to him, and I fell apart. So that is, honestly, that's the reason. I, I want the best version of people. If someone beats me, I want to get beat by the best version. If I beat them, I want to beat their best version. I don't want... I don't want anything in between. I don't want them to take it easy on me. One of my favorite training partners um, is a guy named Doyle. He's a brown belt. Oh, I love yeah. Doyle, man. He's one of the... He, Doyle... Is good, too. His technical ability is probably some of the best in the gym. And I tell him this all the time, 
And part of my language, I said, Doyle, you're too fucking nice. You he are so too nice. nice. And his personality is nice. And that he has the same personality on the mat. If he if he could get a little bit of aggression and you know, just a little bit of you know, assholeness in him, that's what's gonna change him. But man, his technical I love rolling with him because he hits me with sweeps that I don't see coming. Like I'm to the point, you're probably the point now where when we get submitted, we kind of see it coming from a little ways off. We just maybe can't stop it. It's very rare that I'm like, I'm in a good spot, boom, I'm submitted. That's very rare now. And with Doyle, it's like, I'm in a good spot, boom, I'm swept. Boom, I'm in an arm lock. I'm like, what the hell? Where did that see, happen? See, that's uh, like, the stuff that always gets me in my observation, like Coral uh, has started bicep crushing everyone. Because mm-hmm. I, like, I don't know why, but it's like a, probably a year ago, I was like teaching a bicep, arm bar to bicep crusher, classic yep. Yep. follow up, but we hadn't been doing it yep. in a while. And she gets every, but just like the person that like, uh, the things you don't see coming, yep. you're like, oh, they're going to arm bar me. I'm just yep. going to blah, blah, blah. That's, and then they have the next thing. Like yeah. like you with, well, you had some leg lock combos yeah. today. At least one that yeah. it's like I was, I was on something else and you, you yeah. were like, well, I'm actually doing this. Well, that's my other, my other favorite thing to do. And I think it makes everybody better. My, one of my favorite things to do is when I catch a submission on somebody and they ask me, you know, what happened? I like to teach them the very best best way i know to defend what i'm doing to them let them work on that and then try to submit them again because it's going to make their defense better and it's going to make my offense better so like at my old gym when i really started getting good leg locks everyone started shutting my leg locks down right and Mm -hmm. i had to get like there's a guy i trained with um named cody and i'll give you an example at the height of me like tapping cody with leg locks it was in a five minute round i may get him five or six times when i left that gym one time per round was a win for me and it wasn't that my leg logs got worse it's that his defense got better well and, that's you know, I, that's what i think i think if you throw a guy like us into a gym that it will raise the level of everybody because sure. it's like you get a good leg locker in the gym. Like that's like, like, like what I was telling you rolling first time rolling with Braden. It's just mm-hmm. like, Oh my God. Yeah. Like that's what, that's yeah. what I've been. That's why I started doing yeah. leg locks right there. Yeah. So I would be like him someday. Mm-hmm. But, and then it's like, you look at the difference somebody that's like, that's all they've ever done. They've, they've kind of all always focused yeah. on it. Cause like too, Braden's a byproduct of this. Like, uh, when he was kind of getting involved coming up is right around the time that Alan Shade put out his leg lock instructional, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So like he was he was in, in around all that. So it's like, I think there's something too to somebody learning things in their infancy of training and then their, um, like what he was teenage when he started training, yeah. I believe. Maybe well, maybe early 20s. Yeah, I wouldn't, let's not say that it's, it's maybe something, I don't know if it's a technique they learn when they're first start training or it's a mindset he was in the situation where his his mindset his early mindset was we're going to do leg locks leg locks are great leg locks are golden guys like you know uh the older generation leg locks were forbidden you don't do them to your purple belt i didn't and like once i realized that that was a a thing in question i felt like i'd been lied to Mm mm-hmm Honestly, yeah. because I, I I was super dogmatic about it, yeah. like all the way to my purple belt for years. Yeah. I was, just, and then just like through seeing like so many, like the heel hook just being the ultimate mm-hmm. equalizer, you well, could, I couldn't ignore it anymore. Here's the deal: it's like you know you're starting to see an M- MMA a little bit. Um, I think you know people are gonna get more well rounded as far as MMA, but um, it 
like it goes back to what are you going to do if i'm getting ready for mma fight am i going to focus heavily on leg locks no but i'm going to still keep them in my training but i'm going to go into you know uh cage work and and striking and stuff i'm going to work on my weak points um but if if you're a guy like me which i don't compete very much i haven't competed in about two years um I'm just a dude that has a regular job that loves training. It trains four to six days a week. Um, I'm going to train all submissions, gi, no gi, gi top only, wrestling shoes. I don't care. I just want to be on the mat doing submissions. Are you ever deterred from doing submissions in class in the gi? Never. That's no. good. That's good. Because no. here's the thing. Like, I think that um, there's kind of two things. I think that there's gyms that do that. They limit yep. you. And I think there's like, whether or not they're teaching you this stuff. Yeah. That's like one thing, but it's like the other day I told a story on the, when Braden came on the podcast, there's this guy who moved off and came back and he, he was here in like 2012 when we didn't do leg locks mm-hmm. when he was deterred from yeah. doing them. Yeah. And like, he was like telling, like he just came back now he's a blue belt and, and he's like, Hey, no, 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 don't do leg lock. And I was like, wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry that we didn't do leg locks yeah. before, but we do all submissions yeah. now. And I'm very sorry that, that we didn't before. Now you're behind. But now we do yeah. for these reasons. Yeah. They make memes about people that don't yeah. on the internet. Yeah. You know? So uh, the way, you know, here's, I think, Kayla, I can't speak for Caleb, but um, I think if I was dangerous or if he saw me hurting anybody, obviously he would step in um, and say something. But he has, I think he's seen that I'm safe and knock on wood. In the eight years I've been training jiu-jitsu, no one has ever missed a class or a day of work because of me. I'm nev- not even accidentally injured anyone ever, right? Um, so he allows me. Now, when he looks over, and I'm going to admit, I do heel hook white belts in the gi. I mean, yeah, yeah. he looks over and he sees it. I see the disappointed look on his face, and I'm like, ah, you know, I just want it. You got to start sometime. Yeah, if you're going to stick the, the, the food in my mouth, I'm going to eat it, right? Like, I don't even have to reach to get the the nibble. I mean, so, um, but no, he, no, him, and and honestly, he never talks about it, but he's got a good leg lock game, and he just never he uses it. He does. He submitted me with the straight ankle lock the last time me we too. rolled. Straight ankle lock, I mean. His arms are freaking swords, mm-hmm. dude. Yeah. That's, that. It, yeah. like, when he, um, I wish that he would have, uh, and it w- almost wish I would have got to seen him fight pro mm-hmm. just to see him throw elbows on yeah. people. Yeah. And because he, he had a good elbow game back yeah. in the day too. He, uh, I don't think he's ever attacked a heel hook on me, but his straight ankle lock comes on, comes on fast and he's tapping with it and he laughs and he thinks it's funny cause I'm the leg lock guy. But you talk about changing the culture. When I moved to Inferno in Bentonville, nobody attacked legs nobody really knew any leg lock defense i was just i was honestly i was slicing through a lot of people pretty quickly and most people that i roll with you know you know with the large number of students he has there becomes like clicks like the day class the night class Mm -hmm. the group of training partners that i train with now leg locks don't come easy for me anymore and i'm not saying like pat myself on the back i definitely think me moving there changed that gym culture but it wasn't, be- I mean, it wasn't, it was only because I was attacking legs. Like, anyone could have came there and attacked legs, but they didn't have anybody there at that well, time. Well, and I think that it's a, it's a thing, too. Like, people come to us because we have, like, we do takedowns all the time. We start from standing. Is that? Oh, yes. Hey, let's take a, let's take a okay. quick break yeah. real quick. All right. And then when I... Uh, I want to come back because I really want to talk Dude, to you. Dude, I'm, I'm always in search for yeah. guests. And I like, I do like, when I have a podcast, 
that goes well i really like uh having them having them back on yeah well for sure and i really want to come back and almost almost interview you i really want to get into the constitution the second amendment specifically and what your take is on hey we've done uh yeah hausnick and i uh, have done um a couple of different podcasts he's a political yeah. scientist a good okay. friend of mine yeah. and he just got uh his fourth strap on his purple belt yeah okay cool and he's like so yeah, yeah. we we might even could do uh because he he's a regular guest he's been on maybe four or five times yeah so a uh, phd in political science okay. uh, well, i don't have any of that but i have a strong well he's such a good yeah. like he's my he's my dude on the side that's like here's the law yeah and i'm like thanks yeah. man yeah. and he's like here's the law in these different yeah. states but i like to talk to people about what do you think they meant when they wrote oh yeah specific, for sure you know what i mean for so that's sure. a, that's a long but I, I will come back and talk. No, about we, we could definitely do that. Cause, yeah. Cause here's the thing. Uh, we just come back and uh, do uh, just like a more, uh, we're, we're a life unraveled episode. Sure. Where, Cause sure. like pretty much all we're talking about is jujitsu mm-hmm. today. Yeah. But man, I have one where like, uh, I just talk about TV shows and movies. Mm-hmm. I have a show where I just talk about martial arts, jujitsu. Yeah. Well, the only history. Thing, yeah. The only thing I know about is, is, uh, firearms and grappling. I mean, that's my, anything else I would, I'm, I'm be bullshitting you about, but, um, I, uh, here, here's somebody for you to uh, look into that I wrote my master's thesis partially on this mm-hmm. guy. This guy named William Fairbairn. Have you ever uh, heard of that name, Fairbairn? No. Uh, there's the Sykes Fairbairn Commando Dagger. It was the dagger that was invented for the Green Berets. Mm-hmm. He's one of the designers, but he's pretty much who got martial arts as a part of our special forces sure. training okay. programs in the military. He's the guy who invented the silhouette target. Okay. I should yes. know that name then because I've put a lot of holes through silhouette targets. Yeah, so like he was just like, we yeah. got to start shooting stuff that's shaped like a human being yeah. because of the psychological sure. side of what we're doing. Sure, yeah. But uh, incredible martial artist, got a black belt in judo under Kano, the founder of the art, mm-hmm. uh, was on the riot squad in um, Shanghai and all of this crazy stuff. Gotten yeah. like 70 documented knife fights. Yes. Yeah. wow. Okay, one is scary enough oh i know so like so like his mind was different like how he viewed martial arts having been on that riot squad and and he he wrote all these books i have all the books that he wrote because i I wrote i cited all of them in Mm -hmm. my thesis but fascinating and he's really the forerunner for the training program that the green berets ended up with which you can see on video at fort bragg in 1961 i think it was mm-hmm. jfk goes there for a visit and it shows him training like wrist throws and really cool all stuff. sorts of crazy stuff i love the history i love the history of it um my entire man almost every male in my family was in some sort of the military except for me um, well and you, we were talking about wrestling yeah. wrestling is so mm-hmm. harmoniously integrated into our yeah. military tradition well and there there's they found they found drawings of in caves um of what appears to be images of two men grappling like it's the it's the oldest it's definitely ancient world yeah uh, i mean and it, you go back way further than greece and rome ancient mm-hmm. world it's yeah. it's uh pre-dynastic egypt yeah. uh, is in all of these other places uh where we see depictions of people boxing fighting with weapons in close quarter combat yeah. situations so, i mean there's uh, you could take someone that's never watched mma never watched grappling has no idea what any of it is and say i want you to take that person down the first thing they're going to do is they're going to go probably for somewhat what what appears to be a double leg. They're going to wrap their legs up and try, you know, yeah. it's in our DNA. You know? 
It, that's fascinating. Like when I did my first seminar ever, as one I mentioned earlier on takedowns, mm-hmm. it was like, oh, I've seen this, I've seen mm-hmm. this, I've seen this. Like this, and part of it was cultural stuff. Like yeah. you saw it on movies, you saw the the foot in the hip, the Tomonagi yeah. style, or the shoulder throw. Mm-hmm. So, well, dude, so like uh, w- one of the main reasons we wanted to have you on is uh, because you just uh, like, a, let's just call it a review, uh, but you just went to the ADCC trials. No. Nope. Uh, oh, the, the actual day. There was actual t- the yeah. championship. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so you went to the actual championship. Um, tell us all about that, man. Like how, what an amazing experience. First of all, you, you know. For sure. So, so uh, to start off, I'm probably... Well, I used to I used to say I was a number one Gordon Ryan fan, but now there I'm starting to see people post pictures of getting his name like tattooed on their knuckles. Bro, you're a Gordon so Ryan dick rider. I sure. definitely feel like I've been knocked down the totem pole. Right? Well, are they? Is he giving them free private lessons on he, the internet? Well, though? I don't know. I don't know. I Didn't think he, he, he did one guy. Yeah. He's like Jason. You're always riding my dick. You get a free. That's private. basically what he said. And I was like, and my wife is like, you know what? Why don't you just go marry him? I was like, well, I don't I don't think he's available, but you know, um, so. Here's what here's the, how it happened. I have always since I got into grappling, I've been watching ADCC. And if you have um, UFC Fight Pass, a lot of people don't know this. You can go back and watch every ADCC there's ever been, all the way to like '96 or '90, whatever wow. it was. I didn't know that. Yeah, actually. and you can they have them all archived. Um, so when they, you know, I always wanted to go to ADCC, but it's always on some f- crazy continent in France or wherever, and it's too expensive. Well, yeah, when Raider had to drop out, it was in like Finland or yeah, something. it was Finland, and it was in a small town like a. 10,000 people is like anyway so they announced it whatever last year and they said it's going to be in California well me and my wife got married in California which I need to tell that story before we go yeah yeah the self-defense um, the self-defense story. Yeah. story so immediately you know I, my brain was cycling like okay and I went to her and I said here's the deal ADCC is going to be in California it's going to be in Anaheim which is like 20 minutes from where we got married I said what if we do a week-long vacation Saturday Sunday you go to ADCC with me. The rest of the week, we do whatever you want. And she's like, deal. I was like, oh. So immediately, I bought VIP tickets, which I'll get into that in a second. Um, I bought the best tickets you could buy. We booked the flights. We booked the Airbnb. I was like, it's done. Um, and mainly, it was like, I want to watch. Like To me, it was like, I already thought Gordon was probably the greatest. And I was like, this is going to solidify it, or it's going to knock him off the pedestal. Um, to me, Gordon really took Conor McGregor's blueprint, early Conor McGregor, when he was like, I'm going to knock you out in the second round and did it. He took that blueprint, applied it to grappling. What Gordon is doing is making people, he's polarizing people. You love him or you hate him. Either way, you're going to tune in. You're either going to watch him because you want to see him win or you're going to watch him because you want to see him lose. But he's figured out a way to make you watch him, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, I want to be front row. I want to see this. And I'm, I was a big, I'm a big fan. So I was like, I want to see him just shred all these people and shut all these haters up, you know? So we get out there. Ironically enough, we booked the hotel. I booked the hotel the same day. The soon I told my wife, I said, as soon as they announce where the event is, I'm booking the closest hotel. I booked Smart. the hotel. Literally, the hotel is attached to the Anaheim Center where the event was. Oh, that's great. So we get there first day. We get there Friday afternoon. We go check in the hotel. We go upstairs. We put our stuff. They're gonna do. Um, they're gonna do the bracket releases at the event, so it's gonna be public. Like all the athletes are gonna be there. Um, I shit you not. We're sitting in the lobby of the hotel, waiting for the event to get ready to start, and Marcelo Garcia just walks off the elevator. 
Yeah. Like, uh, him in the background when when Gordon's getting his like, yeah, it's so funny, yeah. dude. So my wife doesn't know who any of these people are. I like hit her on I like I swat her on accident. I was like, oh, oh my god, that's Marcy. She's like, who's that? I was like, just get the phone out. I was like, take the picture. And I walked over and it was and I was like, Mar-, and he was legit. You know, people say he's the nicest guy ever. Out of all the people I met, um, he was the only guy that like. He went, he didn't just take the picture. He was like, all right, have a good one. He's like, where are you from? Did you come here? Well, is your team competing? You know how he want? He asked me questions. Like wow. he he honestly would have stood there and talked to me for twenty minutes if I wanted to. I was like, you're dude, you need to go do whatever you need to do. I just wanted a picture. With I you. am not worthy. Yeah, he was the nicest guy ever. Um, but I got That's to meet. Awesome. I, I met him. I met John. So then we go into the event where they do the bracket release, and literally I turn around and Bouchesha standing there. I turn around again, and it's John Danaher, and um, it's just all the, you know, uh, Cyborg, everyone was there. Gordon was We don't like Cyborg anymore. Okay. No, I can't. I think he's a Dude, one. He's like, a whiny honestly, baby. When, yeah. when he slapped Gordon, yeah. I was like, yeah. I've lost all yeah. respect for you, dude. Yeah. Like, like, I couldn't believe that he let Gordon get in his head like that. Yeah. Like, enough that it's like... I shared this thing about, you know, and it's like, really, it's like, you fuck being a bite belt. Like, all people should should be courteous and nice and, yeah. and stuff like that. But it's like, this should meme about what it means to be a black belt yeah. and to serve yeah. other people yeah. and inspire other people. And it's like, dude, that is your obligation mm-hmm. at that stage in that art. And not only that, like, just the sports side. Like, yeah. like, imagine you doing, like, getting in a fight on the football field. Like, says some of the most distasteful stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, I like it, watching the Major League Baseball fights yeah. or whatever. Well, but. so when he slapped Gordon, that was at IBJJF. But you got to remember, before that was ADCC two years ago, where he got easily cemented by Gordon. Gordon just played with him like a baby. Heel hooked him. He tapped I remember he tapped early. He tapped early. He knew it was over with. So and then John Donaher broke that broke down that in down. depth on Joe yeah. Rogan's. Uh, yeah, here's yeah. In my opinion how Cyborg should have handled that. You know that second loss, he should have just stood up, raised Gordon's hand himself, pointed to him, and when he's interviewed, just say, "You know what? Gordon's the next generation. He's he's gonna the torch. He's, he's gonna fill my shoes and just say he's better than me because he is. I mean, I have no problems saying someone's better than me if they're better than me. They're, you know." Um, Cyborg is just you know that MMA fighter that fights too long. He's mm-hmm. he's he's that in jujitsu. It's not that he's fighting too long, but ADCC he's probably not going to win again. He needs to stick with gi stuff. You know IBJJF. He's still a freaking beast and can beat ninety nine percent of practitioners. But he's never going to beat Gordon Ryan. So he needs to kind of get over that. And he lost to Nicky Rod. And he thought he he felt I, a lot of people don't know this because this wasn't really talked about when he lost to Nicky Rodriguez, which was a blue belt at the time. He got his purple belt on the podium, which was funny. He lost. He still had another match to place for third, and he declined and dropped out. Didn't he say he had an eye infection or something? No. What no. was that? What the was that real reason. That? The reason was he said uh, he felt he won that match against Nicky Rod. He's not going. He said it was like it's biased against me, and I'm not. Basically, I'm not going to. I'm not competing for third. Then he dropped out of absolutes too. So um, talk about somebody who can't deal with their yeah. fading. Yeah, I lost. I lost a lot of a lot of respect for him. But so ADCC, we go. Um, I meet pretty much every legend. I can't think of someone. Uh, I haven't met Hickson. Um, I met Hoyce, and then I met like you know was Hickson there? No, Hickson wasn't there. But I'm trying to think of like legends I didn't get to meet that weekend. 
Like I've already met like Dean Lister's huge, you know. Oh, uh, Jocko was Jocko there. Jocko wasn't there. Which he's not really a jujitsu legend. Yeah. I mean, he kind of is, but yeah, honorary. Um, but I'd already met Dean Lister in the past, and I'd already met Hoist Gracie in the past. So like checking off people off my bucket list, like Bushesha. He's a super nice guy. Met him. And of course. And it was Gordon beat him in the finals, right? Yeah. By, Submitted him? Uh, no. Points? No, no, no. I couldn't neg- remember what happened. Uh, negative one advantage. He won by negative. So, again, this is another reason I like Gordon. Gordon doesn't jump up, throw his hands. I mean, if you beat Bashesha, you have every right to jump up and freak out, right? You beat arguably the greatest, one of the greatest of all time. And he's not even happy with it. Like, he is genuinely. You know, Bouchesha weighed him by 30 pounds, I think, 40 pounds. Mm-hmm. He wasn't happy with that win. I mean, he, he was happy he won the absolute, but Gordon's not the type of guy. And I'm the, you know, I'm the same way. Like, I, I, I seriously, the last AGF I competed in, I think I got second, and I threw the medal in the trash on the way out. Like, I, there's no pride in that for me. There's no pride in um, not submitting someone. Like, if you won by points... You didn't win, time ran out. If you lost by points, you didn't lose, time ran out. I mean, we do this to submit people, right? So Gordon's kind of, that's another reason I like his personality because he doesn't he doesn't hang his hat on wins if they're not a submission, mm-hmm. you know? Um, if it, To him, and I, I'm not in his head, but to him, what I think he's got going on is he has this checklist of people, and until he submits them, if he submits them, it's a check. Okay, that guy's off my list. I don't ever care about competing him again. But I guarantee you, he's going to try to face Bouchesha again if Bichesha doesn't retire in the next few years. Um, How old is Bichesha now? Even 25? Is he even 25 years old? Oh, yeah. I think he's in his I think he's in his late 30s. Bichesha? Yeah, I think oh, so. Oh, dude, I don't look think it up. so. Let's look it up, yeah. He's got, if he's not, he's got some rough years on him. I mean, he's, he, just watching him limp, kind of walk around the mat, he's got a lot of miles. I thought he was super young. Maybe he is. Be wrong. 29 years old. 29. So he was like 25 when I started charting yeah. him, honestly. Um, indeed, I think, as a matter of fact. I think this Jiu-Jitsu magazine might be the first time I heard about Buchecha. I've got like a whole bunch of yeah. old school Jiu-Jitsu magazines. But you know how like I did a video on like deconstructing De La Hiva today? Yeah. And he does the, you know, I got in that position on you sort of where mm-hmm. my bo- yeah. bo's behind you. Yep. Dude, he has a way of doing that in the gi that just like, I got yeah. it out of a jujitsu match. It's yeah. this one obscure yeah. detail. He grabs your pant mm-hmm. on the far side when he throws the leg over. Yeah. So he just keeps you bound up where you can't. Yeah. Such a good, I just had that match. It's not I mean, this he, one. He's in the top five for sure. I think, I think if you're talking gi, Hodger Gracie's probably the greatest of all time to compete. You think he's going to come back out? Nah, I don't think so. I, I don't I I think he I think when you get older and you get out of the competition scene, just like MMA, you risk losing your legacy. Like BJ Penn. If BJ Penn oh, would have stayed gone, I know. I did a podcast over like his last ten fights yeah. before. Yeah. This was the uh, the last one I think was when he lost to Yair Rodriguez. Yeah. But he's fought like two or three more times since yeah. then. He he would have went down as one of the greatest MMA fighters of all time, a pioneer. And he I've to me he really ruined his legacy by Big doing time. all that stuff. So I think Hodger will stay retired. To me, my opinion, no gi grappling. Gordon Ryan is the greatest that's ever done it. Um and I think it, the way he talks, he wants to do this for another 10 to 15 years and just solidify, just say, look, no one will ever, he wants to be able to retire and die someday and know that no one will ever be better than him. Um, but going back to ADCC, so we get tickets, we go there, I meet legend after legend. Um, Saturday, I watch Gordon um, 
submit like everybody. He had eight matches at ADCC total. That's in his weight class in absolute. He got six submissions out of eight matches, which is incredible. The two guys he didn't submit were just tanks. It was, I can't remember their names. Um, but was Orlando Sanchez there this year? He was yeah. there. Yeah. Didn't do as well. No, he, he had a fight or a match, sorry, with Nicky Rod. Nick that Rod, guy can move though, yeah, for a heavy guy. He can, but Nicky Rod kind of worked him over uh pretty bad but he still had a he's got a great attitude about it you know um the production so if i had to say anything negative about adcc i did i bought like vip tickets i wanted the best tickets i could possibly get and the vip section was really close but it was first come first serve so if you bought a vip ticket and i bought one and you got there first you got whatever seat was available mm. yeah i didn't like that so i wound up getting really good seats but i would really i'd like to see assigned seating if you spend you know 120 for sure 120 dollars for a ticket um that was it the production was incre- it's not like i love agf i think it's probably the most well-run t- tournament i've ever it really been to. is it really is it runs i i think now it even runs better than it's, i think i think every tournament that I've been to of theirs is a little bit better than the one before. I agree. They learn from their mistakes, but ADCC, it, it's like nothing. I, it's, it, it's, it's like a UFC event. They have people playing the drums and they got smoke machines. They got music and commentators. Um, the, the thing that stood out to me is, you know, <clears throat> John's guys, um, they, they, they understand the rule set better than anyone. They, under, they understand the rules as well as the referees understand the rules. And they execute these game plans. Um, they don't get into, like, Gary Tonin is more, I think he's more of a scramble-based player is what I like to say. He likes to create scrambles, which people think are, like, a lot of people think a scramble in jiu-jitsu is, like, up for grabs. Like, a scramble, anything can happen. But he's creating, like, controlled scrambles. Like, he's creating a scramble that he's controlling and he's going to win, right? And he's good at that. And Gordon Ryan is more of a position place player where he's executing a game plan from A to Z. And he doesn't get in a hurry. He doesn't get in these big scrambles. He doesn't ever really get in trouble. And he just keeps executing his game plan until he submits someone. So... It was very impressive for me to see his little brother, Nicky. I met him, too. He's like 17 or 18, competing against yeah. grown men. He didn't medal, but he'll he'll medal in the next one. I mean, he's just... Do you he's think incredible. he's going to bulk up? Yeah. Um, I follow him on Instagram, and the only thing he posts is him at the gym, like, every day lifting weights. I th- And he didn't post anything, like, before ADCC. I think ADCC lit a fire under him. He realized... So there's one thing. This is not a myth. There's something called old man strength, and people, like, when you say old man strength, I'm not talking about 60. I'm talking about, like, something happens when you get into your 30s that you you get a different form of strength. And I think the only thing Nikki is lacking right now is that mature strength that you get when you're a, you know, full-grown man. Um, how, old, how old is Gordon right now? He's, like, 24, 25. Okay, that's probably what I was getting. I was probably confusing yeah. Gordon and Buchecha. Yeah. So... Nikki's technique is just light years ahead of anyone. As soon as he gets, um, and he, I think he's trying 24. to, yeah, I think he's trying to supplement that strength you get as a grown man with just weight training, which he will a little bit. But when he, when he, excuse me, when he turns 20, 22, he's going to, if, yeah, yeah, Gordon is, uh, he's a specimen. You know, his personal trainer and his 
chef, uh, his girlfriend or whoever, whatever she is. I don't that know. Brazilian girl? Yeah. His sister? His sister. <laughs> uh, like, they live together. Like, she makes his meals. She takes him to the gym. She's personal trainer. I mean, he's got a good setup going. It's probably, I mean, honestly, I joke around about this. And, I mean, in, in all actuality, in 10 years, I may be there. Like, I could really use a personal assistant yeah. to like manage all the scheduling of my podcast, yeah. a manager or whatever. Yeah. Like I just like, I, Cora is kind of that. Cause mm-hmm. I was so busy for so long. It's like, I almost have, I was talking to Nate about this the other day. It's almost like I have a little bit of like PTSD about it. Yeah. Cause I'm always like, Cora, what are we doing on this day? And she's just like, nothing. Cause you, have wiped our calendar like we did like what do you want to do well and you know people here's here's i'm i'm quick to jump on social media and defend gordon he doesn't need me to defend him he's never asked me he doesn't give two shits about you're a paid representative i i'm i am not on his payroll private lessons from the guy but here's what drives me nuts is people think that well, he's won a bunch of money now and he can afford personal trainers and, and all that's great and that does help. But the work ethic, I mean, this guy trains three to four times a, a day, every single day, seven days a week. Um, he, you know, he's up at 4.35 in the morning. He's not in bed till 11, 12 o'clock at night. He's doing seminars. Um, he's training at multiple gym locations. Um, the work ethic that he puts out, not many people are going to be able to match. And, he, you know, um, that's where... I get, you know, I don't get defensive. Nothing really bothers me, but it, I just think it's funny when people are like, oh, you know, he's he's got this coach and he's got, you know, he and, and steroids always comes up. He's on do you, steroids. Do you think he is juicing? Well, I think, I think everybody that is competitive and is doing something. Is doing something. I think what people think is when people think juicing, they think like dangerous, illegal shit from Mexico. I think there's stuff that's not technically made, you know, legal here that is not, you know, it's not, it's not going to kill people. Um, but I think people also think when they think steroids, they think of muscle gain. And a lot of times steroids is just for recovery, you know? I, oh, I know. That's what I, the only yeah. um, reason I would ever consider using is if my testosterone was sure. gone, yeah. no longer producing. Yeah. And, but then it's just like, uh, Evander Holyfield said this on Joe Rogan the other day about chiropractic care. He's like, no, I ain't going to let that man pop my back because I might not be able to afford it mm-hmm. after this. And then yeah. I need that chiropractic yeah. care and I won't be have a way to pay for it. Yeah. And that was like when he was like mm-hmm. vying for the championship, yeah. like that's how he was raised or whatever. But you get dependent. Like that's mm-hmm. the thing with test is like, if you ever get in a situation where you can no longer keep getting the injections, the period you're going to go through is going to be like, like an addict withdrawing. Sure. Uh, sure. You know, I actually, I've been taking melatonin for a while mm-hmm. and I'm starting to regret a little bit. Not, mm-hmm. I mean, it's still working for me. It puts me to sleep. Doesn't keep me to sleep all night anymore. Yeah. used to put me asleep and I would sleep all yeah. night and now if i stop taking it i'm gonna have a lot of sleepless yeah. nights it's like anything you build a tolerance for it um i think i think everybody that is professional grappler all i mean look at andre galveo i mean mm. i mean come on now with gordon he's 24 and for people to believe that he can't be like ripped up jack like he is without being on something is silly i mean he's 24 the personal chef a personal trainer the best coach in the world. He could be that jacked. Do you think he's really a millionaire? Yeah, I think he's pretty close. Um, I saw a post from him at one point when he released his first DVD. 
he made like 165 grand in 12 hours off wow. of it, like just immediately. So I think he's getting really close and it, it appears, you never know what's going on behind the scenes, but it appears he's pretty smart. I mean, I know he spends a lot of money on Gucci and stuff. I see that, but I don't see him making big purchases like a house or, you know, stuff like that yet. So, um, people think Gordon is this, um, I, I don't think people realize how smart he is. He does strike me as he's he highly functional. This this um he realized honestly I don't know if he if he took this blueprint from Connor but he realized a long time ago you have to get people to watch you because what what people don't understand in grappling is there's not a lot of money in it but if I'm Gordon Ryan and I know that I'm going to get paid 10 to 15 he gets paid like 10 to 15 grand just to show up and compete right then he gets sponsorships um the more people that tune in to watch me compete, the more money I'm going to make. And he realized that early. Um, and he's making more money than anyone in grappling. So to think that he's stupid is just, it's silly. I wonder if we're going to see, oh, we talked about this on the internet a while back, uh, but I wonder if we're going to see him and Andre. Um, Man. Andre, that's like the only match I want to see in grappling right now. Andre, ha so I'm going to say something that's not probably very popular, but Andre Galveo is one of the most unexciting guys to watch for me. He is a, he's another scramble-based player, but not like Gary Tonin. Gary Tonin is scramble into submission. Uh, Andre is scramble, score point, disengage the rest of the match, and he does what I call busy work. It makes the ref appear that he's trying to do jujitsu, but he's not doing jujitsu. Here's the stone cold fact, and I would bet my paycheck on it. If you forced Andre Galveo and Gordon Ryan to do jujitsu, like if you force Andre to like engage him, Gordon will submit him pretty easily. Um, but he, but he actually has a chance of beating Gordon if he does that thing where he scores an advantage. Well, yeah, you remember the Buchecha match against yeah. Andre? How yeah. close that mm -hmm. got? Like yeah. in the very. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Andre Galveo is a great technique. Like he is just he understands the rule set. He knows what he has to do to win matches. But he to me, it's on it. I'll be honest with you. When him and Pena were having their super fight, I watched a few minutes of it and then I kind of played on my phone the rest of the time because it was just dancing around, you know. And it just was. I want to see jujitsu. Like I, mm -hmm. you know. And this is the big argument I get into with a lot of people on the internet. I'm a takedown guy. I like wrestling. I think if you're going to train, you need to understand how to take people down. Agreed. But I don't think it's necessary for tournaments. Um, if you and me are going to compete against each other in a tournament, and we're in the gi, I know you're better. You're far better at judo than me. You're going to throw me, right? What sense does it make for me to let you throw me? Why don't I just pull guard yeah. and, and, and let's get doing jiu-jitsu? Maybe I feel like on the ground, maybe we're closer to being even. I need to get us to where we're closer to being even. That's what Gordon does. Gordon has good wrestling, but he understands that when he competes against some people that he knows that maybe they're a better wrestler, he just pulls guard. And, then, you know, um, to me, it's no different than a football game. You win the coin flip, and then you kick the ball. It's the same thing. It's mm -hmm. like, I am I won, but I want to give you offense first. Um, so here's going back to the question. Andre has a lot to lose. Um his legacy is on the line with that. Like, I don't think it's on the line necessarily, but he's going to go down as one of the greatest ever, right? It does. It does blemish. It's just like we're talking about with sure. Gordon. If Gordon in 20 years yeah. 
or 10 yeah. or however yeah. many it is has to kind of yeah. Like we're saying, it's hard. You're going to come out. Yeah. It's like Andre's not quite like where Hodger is now, no, but like no. he is to the point where it's like, yeah. dude, you start making calls right now, trying to get fight the up mm-hmm. and comer. Like remember when Cowboy took a couple fights against some mm-hmm. people that like he yeah. didn't even know there, it was just, well, who was it? Till and, um, yeah. uh, um, oh, who else was it? Till, Till's put the smack down on it. Yeah. And, and that's his Cowboy else. saying, I'm all, Cowboy's always going to say yes. If you cornered him in a, a phone booth and said, let's fight, he's going to fight. You know, here's here's Andrea's situation, though. If he takes that match and he wins, he is going to elevate his, like, level, right? He's He could retire then and go, greatest of all time, you know, one of the greatest of all times, whatever. Um, or he could retire right now and go down as the greatest, one of the greatest of all time. Right. He may be not the greatest, but one of the greatest of all, he could retire right now and just say, that's it. And Both the Mendez brothers retired? Pretty much. I've seen one of them uh, there. At the, it's funny. I had better seats than um, uh, Hoffa. He was sitting like four rows behind me, and I was like, yeah, I got better seats than you. <laughs> so, um, but I, I don't, that, that match doesn't... What interests me is in the history of ADCC, they've never let... So when you win the absolute... You no longer get to enter your division two your you know it's every two yeah, years. Yeah. You only get to do the super fight. Uh, Gordon Ryan immediately on the mat, like he didn't even wait on the mat. He announced, "I want to let I want to compete in my division in two years and the absolute and the super fight." You think they'll let him? I think they would. So Mo, I don't know if you know Mo, is he put him and um, Seth Daniels from Fight to Win. Mm-hmm. And the guy, I can't remember this guy's name, but the guy that owns Five Grappling. Oh, yeah. That guy had like cancer or something. Something like that. Yeah, I actually, yeah, he well, was out. I was at the first Five Texas One. Okay. So yeah. funny story. We're in the hotel on Saturday night and me and my wife go down to get in the hot tub and there's a guy sitting there and he sees my ADCC bracelet. He's like, oh, you know, we start talking. It's the owner of Five Grappling. So cool. I sat there and talked to him for a little bit. But in the history of ADCC, they've never held it like on the same continent two years in a row, and they've never let the same person host it. Well, they're letting Mo host it again. And it's the rumor is it's going to be in Vegas. Mm, it's going to be the cool. biggest of all time. I've been time. to Vegas like seven times. Yeah, today. it's going to be the biggest of all time. I would, I would consider going to that. I, I Like, I've been to California several times. Actually, it doesn't sound weird. Like, I would prefer to go to Vegas yeah, to California. Yeah, me too. I mean, I've been to I've been to Cali quite a few times, so I'd like to go to Vegas. But I do know that talking to him, they spent five hundred thousand dollars on the production and the setup of eighty. That wow. that's like renting the venue. Starts is, is this year's ADCC already on Fight Pass? No. Okay. No, it's on. Um, you have to have Flow. All the masters are on Flow. So, will the question was, will they let him? I think they will, but. They're going to have to come up with a backup. You can't have Andre Galveo and Gordon Ryan set up for the super fight, and then Gordon goes into his match and gets hurt. Right? Yeah, or, or really vice versa. If he fights Andre before yeah. his... Yeah, you have to have a backup. I, th- I think they will because, <clears throat> my God, if he goes in two years and wins his division and then wins his super fight, it's, I mean, it's... that this cements it it's over with i mean i already think i already think he's the best ever to he's he's competed at two cc's he's got the first one gold medal in his weight class silver and absolute the second one gold in his weight class gold and absolute 
I mean, six of eights. And to me, what's more impressive is his submission rate. Six, eight matches, six submissions. Um, I think we'll let him do it. I think he's going to do it. I think I think ADCC 2021 is going to be in Las Vegas. I think Gordon Ryan is going to do his division. And I think he's going to do the super fight. And I don't think he's going to get hurt. I don't think any... I mean, he got hurt uh, when he blew his knee out. No one even knew it. And he still finished the match, you know? He took, like, full LCL tear or mm. some shit like that. Um, I've torn my LCL. Yeah. It's no joke. Also, what people don't know is his hand was broken at ADCC. Um, I heard he, something about him having... Some he had, it was a scooter accident. He had a little electric scooter, him and his uh, sister or whatever, right around town. Well, hers got a flat tire, and he didn't want to mess up the rim. And um, they were, like, a, a block from the tire shop. So he picked the scooter up and put it on his shoulders. He's going to carry it. He didn't know it was on. He hit the throttle, and I guess the chain oh, wrapped around man. his hand. And he uh, he just taped his hand up and won double gold at ADCC. So, yeah, with a fucked And he wound up going to the doctor, I guess. Is, I, I I met him. So ADCC was like Saturday, Sunday, and then we stayed in Cali all week. And then the following Saturday, we uh, he was at an event, the World Jiu-Jitsu Festival. He mm-hmm. had a match with Husima Palialis the next oh, day. did you get to see that? I had to fly out, so I didn't oh. get to see that match, but I got to go meet him. I got to say, hey, by the way, I flew here from Arkansas to watch you win. Congratulations. I shook his hand. His hand was like a bag of marshmallows. It was so swollen. It was crazy. It was just soft and oh. bloated. So, um, yeah, I think... Uh, so, I would say to anyone that enjoys jiu-jitsu... Go to ADCC. Um, my wife doesn't train jujitsu, doesn't understand jujitsu, doesn't care about jujitsu. She loves that extent of it. The second day, um, she not only was not on her phone, she was on the edge of her seat and she was clapping and she was jumping out of her seat. If that tells you anything, you think she'll ever start training? Nah. No, no, not really. Any no, like she. That. One of the things is uh, she does. I mean, she's a long distance runner. She ran a half marathon. We were in California. She likes running long distance, but she doesn't like the skin to skin contact, the sweating, the, the, that freaks her out. I don't think she'll ever do it. So she just lets me do my thing. But she, this is another thing I want to talk about real quick is, you know, if you're listening to this and you're a white belt, you're a blue belt, if whatever belt you are, if you want a black belt and you do not have a spouse that supports your training, you will never get a black belt. Yeah. You will not get a black belt. Yeah. I mean, don't even try. It's like my wife's a brown belt in in judo and jujitsu. I've just got her second stripe. So like, I mean, planning to promote her in one year. Yeah. And, um, like luckily she's supportive, but I mean, still like me doing stuff like, like every Sunday I film, like, like Mm -hmm. you came in, I just moved our filming an hour back. We usually film at 10. Um, but like even doing stuff like this, like I think, uh, was it last weekend I did stuff. Um, I worked with like three people on Sundays at the gym. Like mm-hmm. I worked with one of our boxers, yeah. did a private lesson with him, worked with one of our assistant instructors, teach us no a little bit, did a private with him, did filming and had done some other stuff like MMA practice and worked with some people on Saturday. So it's like spent my only two days off just mm-hmm. doing stuff. Yeah. And, and she gets a little irritated cause like, man, it's through the week. Like I'm at the university lecturing. Yeah. down there about six hours a day so she gets um she gets frustrated sometimes and she gets it she's she knows she's she co-owns the gym yeah but also like she gets it and doesn't get it because like literally i'm in a weird place where it's like if i'm not here doing this or in my office which i also have a recording set up at my office 
I, I, that's all I want to be doing. Yeah. I, mean, I just want to be at the gym doing well, what we were doing earlier, this or yeah. some form of it. Yeah. I, so I tell everybody, cause I, I do, uh, as much as I punish the blue belts and the white belts, I also try, I don't want to say mentor them. I try to give them the best advice I can. And one of the advice I, I give them is, is pick your battles. You know, if it like, like doing this today, my wife is home asleep right now. And my other daughter is watching our baby, you know, so because she's going to work, she's a night shift nurse. So she's going to work tonight. Mm, yeah. So, you how, know, how old, how old are your twins? My twins are uh, 13 and then I have a newborn that's, that's uh, one. And my wife, you know, I always say, pick your battles. Like, Hey, hun, i I'm going to go, I'm going to go see Brian, train with him, do a podcast. And then next week it's date night and we're going to the nicest steakhouse in town. And it's all about you. And my phone's going to stay in the truck. And you got all my attention, you know, and that's, I think you need to balance that. The other thing that the reason people, one of the biggest reasons people quit jujitsu and they never talk about it is because guys have too many hobbies. They want to play golf. They want to go to the bar with their buddy and drink beer. They want to do their shuffleboard or whatever league or their softball league. And they want to do jujitsu. So whenever the wife starts getting on to them or the partner, whoever it is, you need to cut one or two of them out. Jiu-jitsu is the easiest thing to cut out for people because it's physically the hardest, right? It's easy to just say, oh, I'm, I'm going to cut that out. So you, first of all, you have to have a spouse that's on board that supports your training, that on days you don't necessarily want to go, they, they know you they, need they, to go. They know you need to go. You need to, honestly, this sounds, a lot of people won't, won't like this, but you, jiu-jitsu needs to be your only hobby. You need to be with your, your, your partner and your family and be involved in that. And then if you want to do jujitsu, do jujitsu, but don't do, you can't have four or five other hobbies and expect your partner to support all of them. Oh yeah. It's, it, that's, yeah. It's, it's a weird balancing act because like, uh, with the like martial arts for me, jujitsu, mm -hmm. the gym, but then it's podcasting, which I podcast about martial arts and yeah. stuff, but it's also playing music too. Yeah. Like, so it, it, but it's like, it, it's weird because I get in this uh, place where like I'm not getting to do enough of some of those things that I want. Yeah. So I, yeah, I mean, I get I get with that for sure. It's just, but I'm the kind of the opposite. I'm like, yeah. oh, I got to cut out these other things. Not yeah. not necessarily music or podcasting, but yeah. traveling so much on the weekends so I yeah. can be home and do stuff yeah. like this, you know? Well, my I'll say it. I do not deserve my wife. She is an absolute saint. She, you know, at least in your situation, your wife gets why jujitsu is awesome. My wife doesn't understand it. She just knows that I love it. It makes me happy. So whatever makes me happy makes her happy. Um, but yeah, it's if you want, like I said, if you want to train in jujitsu, you better have a partner that's on board. Were um, you were you married previously? No, I've never been married. Okay. No. Okay. So um, I didn't really have a, a great. Uh, uh, my parents got divorced when I was really young, so I just never had, and I saw everyone got divorced. I was like, I don't understand getting married. Why does everyone gets divorced? And I met my wife. At the end of our second date, I told her, I said, I'm going to marry you. I said, you may think I'm crazy, but I, you are the, you're the greatest thing I've ever come across in my life. You just had great, great chemistry right oh, out yeah. the gate. Um, it was, you know, I don't know if you probably got a best friend, but sometimes as we grow older, our best friends, you know, I don't, we don't talk for months at a time. And pick you up can right just, where you left off. Yeah, pick up. And with her, the conversation just always flowed. And to me, it's hard to make me laugh. Like I've, I've, I'm usually the guy that makes people laugh. She just cracked me up. I mean, um, and one thing she did on our second date, um, I went to the bathroom. We're getting ready to leave. I went to the bathroom. When I came back, she had paid for the bill which i'm old school like 
I'm the man. I pay for the bill. And I just thought it was really cool that, you know, she she knew that was going to happen and stopped it, you know, because the first date I paid for, I, I wouldn't let her. I was, like, paying for everything or whatever. And she's just real, she's super independent, but she also, she she doesn't play this, like, I need a man to protect me. She allows me to protect her and and fill that role. You know, she knows she can take care of herself, but she knows it's important to me to to for, for me to feel like I can be the man and, and, and take care of her. So she supports me. Uh, when I told her that, you know, and I, and when I got my four stripe on my purple belt, she's like, well, what does that mean? I was like, well, that means the next time I get promoted, it'll be the brown belt. And like her eyes lit up. Like she's excited. She, yeah. yeah, yeah. For she that. knows it's, it means something. Yeah. So that's great. You got to have someone to support you. But, um, uh, yeah, to sum up ADCC, it was the, probably one of the probably the most amazing event i've ever been to grappling wise for sure um and anyone that has any doubts that you know gordon ryan is not the greatest go watch his matches on flow um he just he dominated everybody i i don't even no one talks about this he didn't get a single point scored against him wow i mean that's it's kind that's, of a big deal. That's super impressive how many points do you know how many points he scored oh personally? shit no i the two, the two matches he won well, so the Bushesha match, he scored zero points. Um, the two matches that he won by points, um, he won by two or four points, something like that. So he, I bet he scored, mm, let's see, even the matches he submitted people, most of his submissions were from the back, so he got guard passing and all that stuff. I bet he scored 20 points on different people. And it was all, and I don't even think he was ever in danger of getting a point. I don't, no one ever saw his back. No one ever got a limb extended. I mean, it was it was it was really like if you went and entered, if you went and entered like probably a blue belt division or a purple belt division, that looked like what the gap was. Man, have you ever seen that match with Gordon versus Craig Jones? Oh yeah, that yeah. was a crazy. That match, was a good dude. match. Got like his arm that, extended. That K guard. Yeah. That uh, Craig mm-hmm. Jones was doing. Yep. I met Craig at the hotel lobby. He had a bad eye infection. Oh, yeah, that was going around. Yeah, apparently, apparently everyone's pissed because he got to compete and gave it to a bunch of people. Got what, what about that? Uh, his coach, Lachlan? Lachlan Giles. I got to meet him, too. I actually, when I got my wife has a picture of us, I'm shaking his hand, and I got my hand, like, over my heart. And what I was telling him is, I was like, you did it for the little guy. You are my hero. I told him, I said, you're my hero. Okay, he's my size. He's legit probably an inch or two taller than me. And probably maybe 10 pounds heavier than me, 15 pounds. And he just went out and submitted like 230-pound Muhammad Ali, um, which, again, I which is cool. I seen him at the hotel hot tub. Me and my wife were sitting in the hot tub uh, Sunday night after the, you know, finals. Here comes this, mo- I mean, when I say monster, he's a monster, right? And he's like limping from that heel hook, right? I'm like, holy shit, that's Muhammad Ali, you know? But, um... Lachlan's, yeah, he's a beast. Um, there, him and Gordon got a little kind of a little beef going on right now online, which is pretty funny. What's um, what's all of it about? I haven't seen. It. So Lachlan basically said in an he's he's selling his leg lock DVD, which he says is different from everyone else's. I've seen that. Gordon kind of in a roundabout way said it's not really different. He's not doing anything different, but he didn't really put him down. He just said, eh, whatever. He just kind of dismissed it. And then Lachlan, he wasn't talking shit about Gordon, but he said. Even though he lost that match to Gordon, he said, when we entangled the legs, Gordon withdrew that entanglement. because, And he basically in, uh, insinuated that Gordon was going to lose that leg lock battle, so he took his back. So Gordon comes out and says, all right, let's have a 
leg lock only jujitsu match, meaning the only way you can win is by leg lock. You put up $5,000, I will put up $500,000, winner takes all. And of course, Lachlan agreed to it, and I don't know if it's gonna happen, but that's how confident he is. Yeah. Wow. He was like, I didn't pull out. He was like, basically, he's like, I just saw your back and I took it and then I strangled you. So, yeah. Um, he, yeah. So, Gordon Ryan is the greatest of all time. And I have a pre- free private lesson waiting on me in New York. Oh, so. dude, that's gonna be sick. Yeah. So, what I'm thinking is, I'm gonna try to contact him. Because he kind of said, hey, whenever we're both around, because I've met him like three times now, he probably thinks I'm a stalker, which I, I borderline am. I think I'm going to contact him and see like early next year if there's a time where he's going to be there and I'm just going to fly up there with the wife and like I'm going to pay for an hour and take my free hour and I'm just going to do like two hours with oh, him. Oh, wow. That'd be a good idea. And because um, I'm getting, I mean, if I'm getting a free one. Well, then while you're there, you just happen to be uh, at his gym. Yeah. Or you could leap over to Tom DeBlass or Marcelo yeah. or, or Alliance yeah. New York, yeah. which is not Marcelo, but Babs. Yeah. And um, uh, who's the um, who's the head guy out of Alliance New York? Uh, I can't remember his name. I just, oh. I, 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 I just, I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna try to do that first part of the year. Wife wants to go to New York anyway. It'd be a good excuse to spend the weekend up there. It'll New York is definitely somewhere I want to go do jujitsu and do some other things too. I'm not not gonna go for a while, but um, I went last year. It's not a place I would visit if I didn't do jujitsu. It's pretty Fabio Clemente. Yeah, that's who it is. Yeah, so. Yeah, um, that's man. That's like why I mentioned earlier. Just like been to Vegas seven yeah. times, been to California yeah. five times, did Pans twice, Worlds three times. Well, when they announce when they announce ADCC, I will probably I'll be posting it. I'll try to get guys like you to just get yeah. some tickets and let's all that go would be down cool. There. That would be cool. I would love to. You know, we could all honestly plan too. Like I have a totally mobile podcast set up. There you go. Like I have, uh, and it's the Gordon same. It. It's the same setup that Joe does when he does mobile. Yeah. I have uh, Joe uses two mobile mics. He uses two different Yetis. Mm-hmm. I have the Yeti Pro XLR, so you can put it into a small mixer. Yeah. Or I have this uh, really nice Tascam digital audio yeah. recorder. So you can just plug the, the mic, plug it yeah. in the recorder, and set it right there. And it's going to be just as good audio, and you can hook it in the camera if you want. It'll be awesome. So, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll definitely link you. So before we uh, before we finish, i got to get back to Northwest Arts. i got to tell my personal so, yeah, yeah, self-defense so, yeah, lay jiu-jitsu on story. Us, so um, we were in California. We got married on a Tuesday evening, you know, over the beach. And then... We go back to our honeymoon hotel and we get up Wednesday and we spend the day, you know, doing things on the beach and whatever. And it's Wednesday night and there's a little area in Newport Beach where it's just a bunch of bars linking together. And we're walking across the street and we, as soon as we hit the sidewalk, I hear, before I see this couple arguing, I hear them arguing and I look ahead and they're kind of walking and stopping and they're walking and stopping and they're arguing. She's yelling at him and he's yelling at her and they're obviously, they're both intoxicated. So we pass each other, and I told my wife, I said, stop, just a minute, I need to watch this because it looked like it might get physical. And um, they get to the center of the street where we had just crossed, and it's a three-way like intersection, like cars, like a little roundabout. And she, at that point, there's like a bunch of lights on him because of the street lights, and she she hauls off and she like slaps him. And he, uh, this dude was about, uh, he's probably 6'1", 
maybe six two and probably 230 pounds you know older guy probably in his late 40s and he just reared back and hit her he punched her right in the face and the first part of her body to touch was the bag of her head hit oh, the concrete damn, right dude sound like a watermelon just bam and when she hit the concrete he stood over and at this point my wife looks at me and she's like no and i'm like yeah i got and she's you know she's not what she doesn't know if he has a gun or a knife she's freaking out she, she's not a confrontation you're probably person. not carrying no, like a I, felony no, in california no. <laughs> but I, I i there's something in me in my dna that I was like i can't no that's that's effed yeah. up even if she's open hand yeah. slapped him like yeah. damn like you're gonna punch a girl straight yeah. in the face so like that. i took my phone and threw it to my wife to call 911 she's a nurse so she went so I ran up to the dude and he was not facing me. So the first thing I did is I ran up, I shoved him so he would get off, you know, not stand over her. And I looked at him, I was like, you need to get on the ground. And he looked at me right in the eyes and I could tell he's intoxicated because he just kind of looked through me, but he was like, fuck you. And I was like, okay. I was like, you need to, and he started walking towards me. I was like, oh my God. So I grabbed him by the wrist and I grabbed him by the elbow. It was kind of a sort of a, like a modified Russian tie. It wasn't like the arm was against my chest. And I, I pulled him to kind of change his level, and I, I did like an inside trip, threw him, and he landed on his side. And when he landed on his side, I know you've thrown people in judo where all the oxygen leaves their body. <laughs> yeah. So he hit, immediately I still had his arm, so I went right to a Kimura. I put the Kimura behind his back, and I got him to roll on his stomach. And I got his other arm, put it behind his back, and I put my shin on the back of his neck, so I had his face pinned on the concrete. Yeah. I had both hands pinned. I look over and my wife is checking on this lady and at this point she's still unconscious and now blood is starting to pull oh back damn her head. dude yeah. so at this, what a traumatic event yeah at this point i'm like okay i'm holding down probably a murder suspect at this point because i thought this lady was gonna die and the police show up and he walks up to me he's like what's going on i was like this guy punched her she might be dead and so all he didn't even have to touch the guy to handcuff him he's like kink you know just handcuff the guy we rolled him over together drug him to the curb she finally started kicking her legs and waking up ambulance loads her up takes her off they took my statement um the whole thing happened in about 30 seconds but the the scary part was when i grabbed his arm i i kind of grabbed in a way where if he went to punch me i could steer him he wasn't gonna be able to punch me but there was a point where i felt like he was reaching around in his front of his pants and i couldn't see if he had anything and i kind of got super worried and that's when i just went ahead and threw him um but for me it was like it was really nice that all the basic stuff that I learned years ago, I didn't think, I didn't go, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. My body just took over. Just kicked in. I threw that dude down, put his hands behind his back. I was never in any danger other than if maybe he'd have pulled a knife, I'd had to disengage. But yeah, I, I got to use jujitsu. My wife was like, you know, I had been her husband one day and she watched that. So obviously she was like super. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a good. I was gonna. It was a good honeymoon for sure. She was. You're a uh, hero, yeah, dude. she was like, "That's the baddest." Well, do you know seen. what happened to the girl? Did you have to go no. back for any court statements? No. Give any statements on the phone? Anything they after they that? took my statement, and I was like, "They're gonna call us back." I was like, "I don't have to go to this guy's trial," and they, I never heard another word from him. I even there was probably two hundred <laughs> people standing around before, right before the cop handcuffed this guy. Everyone's looking at me, and there's I guarantee you, there's two hundred people staring at me, and there's cell phones everywhere. So I even went as far as. I found a bunch of uh, Facebook sites like Newport Beach locals, and I I, I joined all those groups because I was looking for a video of it. I was like, someone's got to have this. I can never find a video because I was like, excuse me, that would be a really cool video to see. Um, but 
never found anything never got a call from the police in that in that interesting like um Oh, they're probably still living together. They're, she probably got out of the hospital and went right back to his house. I mean, wow. you know, you could tell that wasn't the first time they had fought. Um, but that's actually the third time I have used jujitsu um, in a fight that I had nothing to do with, and it was domestic. Um, there was two times at two different gas stations in Tulsa where a guy was two different couples. I was just there. One dude, like, headbutted his girlfriend, knocked, like, knocked her down and i tackled him and i just mounted him and i just held him there to the quick trips in tulsa for people that know this police are there all the time they're like that's where they go and get all their drinks and stuff so but this is the third time that i've been involved in some sort of domestic dispute so it's like i told my wife i was like there's some kind of magnet like i'm being put in this place for some reason but it's you know anyway it's it's good to know that my jujitsu works and it's fundamental stuff i don't bear and bolo people you know when they're beating up on their girlfriend i just take them to the ground and hold them there um you know and i think people forget people get discouraged because maybe what they were trying really hard doesn't work on that purple belt but we got to remember we're training to fight people that don't train don't train yeah I, I bring that up to people all the time and if if you fight someone that doesn't train it's like playing with a little baby they can't do anything you know we got to remember that we're we're training against people that are trained to beat us so don't get discouraged you know um so but yeah yeah well right on bro i really appreciate you taking the time to come down here show me a few things did some videos for youtube yeah appreciate you on that um which you did before so yeah we just should make a jason ryan playlist i I mean we got five videos i still feel like no one has could learn anything from me it's a it's a real like is is egotistical and arrogant as i seem isn't that funny because i mean honestly like i, I was like oh, i'm gonna get this dude to come down here and show me some things yeah and I, I, and here i am like i'm not like but i'm white belt like i don't yeah. i don't need to get purple belts to come yeah. show me things but I, but i'm like oh this guy he knows things yeah huh? and i think I, I don't know he can show me things but i feel like i don't i feel like when i'm showing someone something i'm like why are they listening to me i don't know shit i've been doing this eight years i don't know shit about jujitsu you know it, as a whole it did it's <laughs> I look, I view it a little different. Like I run into people that have that and I do too, to an extent, but it's just like, I just realized like pretty much the whole time I've been doing my role. I've known more than everybody around me. Yeah. So it's like, it's like been an obligation to just share what I know. And then in like your areas, yeah, you know, more than everybody around you. Well, here, here's how I try to handle, which helps my, me feel like I don't have some, my ego stops on the mat as big as i do have an ego and 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 i'm arrogant but it stops when i step on the mat you know i I don't act like i know anything what i try my general rule is i answer any questions that ask that i don't i don't like submit someone and go uh let me show you how i did that like i think that's kind of a douchebag move but if they if someone says man you keep catching me in that hey come here well we're gonna go over here i'm gonna show you how i'm doing it you know because if if you're recognizing it i'm gonna show you but i'm never gonna you know, I'm not going to just volunteer this information like, oh, you need to learn from me. You know, I just feel like that's not uh, if someone wants to know, I will I I will tell someone everything I know. I have no secrets. Right. Which I think that's the way it should be. Yeah, I, I've sure. never been one. I think the big one of the biggest fallacies on like, well, Jason, you're just not ready to learn. Yeah. The blah, blah, blah. No. And yeah. and I, you know. I switched and started teaching leg locks to white belts a long time ago, and there's never been an issue. And yeah. as a matter of fact, I've had white belts submit higher level belts who yeah. didn't well, train, you know. So the, it's, the, the deal with leg locks is um, I tell people this um, 
if you had a kid that was going to, you know, turn 16 and get their driver's license, right? Would you, they can't drive until they're 16, correct? Correct. When are you going to teach them to start driving? When they turn 16, are you going to start them when they're about 14? Yeah, that's why, I mean, that's why they built in the whole, I think there needs to be some sort of coming age for everything. Yeah. Like, you know, they build in the like, okay, you get your permit and then mm-hmm. you drive with yeah. the driver and, yeah. and, and, and after Same for thing six in months. Same yeah. yeah. You probably, the guy on his second day, you're not going to pull him to the side, like, hey, I'm going to show you how to, uh, the braking mechanics of a heel hook, right? But you're going to show them a straight ankle lock. You're going to teach them some few defenses. You're not going to, I feel like it just puts people at this huge disadvantage. Oh, I'm going to wait till Purple Belt to learn a heel hook. Okay, well, you're that, you're way good, behind. Good luck with that. Yeah. I mean, I've been, I've been, I've personally been there and it yeah. just, it just doesn't work out. I, I think that that's, that's going away though. I think in the next five to 10 years, that will, that will laugh at that. I think, yeah. well, I think a lot of this stuff that we're, we, mm-hmm. we get fired up about yeah. right now, I think that's the, the uh, impotence for change. Yeah. Well, if you want to get down to the root of it, it's the Americans are having more influence on jujitsu than Brazilians are now. Um, they're winning more and, you know, our what uh, I think Americans' way of doing things are a little bit different. Uh, a lot of it is the fact that we're not going to limit submissions because we're not good at them. I mean, ultimately, that's why leg locks were frowned upon. Brazilians weren't; they didn't really fit in what jujitsu was about. You know, jujitsu was about you know taking someone to the ground, pass their guard, get them out, punch them, choke them out. Right? Like there's where leg locks don't really fit. And John Danaher talks about that. They don't really fit in that, so they just kind of yeah yeah dismissed okay. them. Right. Is it, have you ever heard what Solo uh, Hibero mm. has to say about it? He's yeah. like, man, jiu-jitsu is for everyone. Yeah. Like, why are you still calling it Brazilian? Yeah. And, yeah. and I think that's one of the greatest. It's like, yeah, yeah it is like a, it, it is a, like a, a fallacy to, to say Brazil. Like we're promoting their yeah. historical version yeah. of their nationalism, their sports yeah. nationalism. Because it's like jiu-jitsu is from Japan, Japan guys, the Japanese jiu-jitsu. Yeah. All, all they did was, to, it, yeah. like, the word is still Japanese. Mm-hmm. All they did was yeah. put Brazilian, yeah. Japanese word. Brazilian modified, you know, Japanese yeah. came from J- Japan or whatever. But, yeah, um, so I appreciate you having me down. Bro. And uh, awesome. Anytime, we'll, we'll definitely have to do another episode. Um, yep. And uh, keep me posted on anything you got going on. Yeah, I will, for sure. Yeah, well, all thanks, right. man. Thanks. Appreciate you. See you. Signing off. <coughs> times. Yeah, bro. Next time you come up, we'll probably...